and welcome, if you can believe it, to our eighth pod of the series, powered by the lovely people at Netball UK. Right now, you can head to netballuk.co.uk to get some top tips and advice from the Super League fans, player of the season, and Netball UK ambassador, Joyce Mabula. She's put together four training routines you can try at home, and these are amazing. So please do go and check them out. As always, I'm joined from uh, different parts of the country by the wonderful Mags and Sarah. Hello, girls. Hello. Hey, Emma. How are we both? Yeah, good, thank you. Yeah. yeah couldn't, can't, can't complain. Good. I'd, I'd ask what you've been up to, but we could probably all guess, can't we? <laughs> <laughs> Jolly good, because we've got an eclectic mix of stuff to talk about, and our guest is the self-confessed biggest mouth in netball. So, shall we crack on? Computer games. Would you like to see a netball video game? Lockdown's got us thinking how cool that'd be, and we're also going to be discussing the types of netball you may come across on the court. You know, like the enthusiastic one, or the clumsy one. We've all got our preferences, and Mags and Sarah are going to be confessing theirs as well. Are you good for that, girls? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm very excited to read you this list. Uh, now, after that, we're going to move on to discussing the situation over at London Pulse, following the announcement that Natalie Seaton has stepped down as CEO of the franchise. But first up, we've only gone and got Kat Tuivaiti on the blower all the way from Italy. This is Netball Nation. Powered by Netball UK, your one-stop shop for everything netball. Right, let's not hang around then. This girl is known for not only being one of the best shooters in the history of the game, but also a player who's not afraid to speak her mind. Sarah could definitely relate to that. Please give a very warm welcome to Kat to invite Hi, everybody. Kat, thank you so much for joining us. Now, before we get cracking um, with a load of questions for you, first up, Sarah and Mags, do you have any anecdotes or favourite memories of Kat that you want to share with us? Oh, be nice, Damon. Go on, Sarah. I've got plenty, but probably not that can be shared on a podcast. <laughs> I just want to get in here first and tell you that I'm a mom now. So responsible now, looking after another human. No, we, we just had we had a great time together in Wellington. Um yeah, so I mean all my all my memories just come from a, a really good season and we kind of both moved there at the same time and we we're both new into town, so we, we did a lot of cafe hopping. They had no choice but to enjoy us, right, Damon? No choice. Well, it sounds like Sarah's gonna be tight lipped about your stories, um, so we'll have to use our imagination. But first off, Kat, tell us about life in Italy, which is of course one of the country's worst hit by COVID nineteen. Yeah, it's, it's a little rough at the moment. It's, the numbers are coming down, and I'm talking deaths and new cases. So um, all we can do is just wait. Now, me and my little family left the boat to try and get back into New Zealand, um, and now everything's kind of shut down, so it's getting a little harder. But look, we're just abiding by the rules, which is something that's a little foreign to me, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I, I'm just doing what I can, like doing what I can to make sure that I keep me and my family safe and away from home so we can pop home and, yeah, move on with normal life. Well, you mentioned your family there, uh, Kat. Obviously, you're raising your son during the lockdown. Mm -hmm. uh, how is that and how are you staying in touch with loved ones and just generally keeping sane? Yeah, it's, I'm finding it hard, I think, because I am a first-time mum and moving away from all my family to do all this stuff on my own has been tough in itself and to be locked up in the house is even harder because, you know, my boys are, oh, he's six months now, so he's starting to notice 
me and my husband. I was going to say people, but he only sees two. <laughs> and so I want to, I want him to get out and, um, you know, like play in the grass and we can go for a swim and do all that stuff because he's at a really awesome development stage, but we literally can't do anything with him. So I feel really bad, but I'm, I'm also grateful that he's not a four-year-old who knows yes. he's been locked in and is just going to annoy me every single day until we're allowed <laughs> to go outside. So that's my silver lining. He has no idea. It's beautiful. That is going to be tough. Even, you know, with a six-month-old boy, you might not be aware, but you are. What kind of things are you doing to look after your mental health, Kat? Yeah, well, me and my husband, um, we have a really small space to work out. So we're in an apartment-style house and our space is really small, but we get to do some physical activity, which is something I've been fighting all my career. I'm not even going to lie. Uh, if I wasn't competing in anything, you would not see me at the gym just working out for fun. So it's been a little tough for me, but in order to, to rip the day in half, we need to work out because, you know, sitting around watching TV sounds nice and I thought I would enjoy it, but it's painfully boring. So that's what we do for us. And for my boy, we are allowed outside onto the street. So we go out walking and we try and walk to the main road where we hopefully see cars go past. So, you know, so he can look at different things because it's been, I think, seven or eight weeks now that we've been locked in. So that's a, that's a bloody long time for a small boy to only see his parents and a select few rooms in the house. So that's what we're trying to do for him and, my goodness, he has great sleeps when we go outside. <laughs> yeah. He sleeps through the night when we actually give him things to do. Yeah, it's it's tough, but I mean, we're, we're still grateful that we're healthy and we've got somewhere to live, really, to be honest. Your career to date has been incredible. You've done pretty much all there is to do as a professional netballer, playing in the world's three top leagues and on the international stage as well. What for you are the main differences and similarities between those leagues? Um, I guess it would be popularity. And I think that England is definitely coming up. The UK League is definitely coming up, and rightfully so. But I guess just the popularity of the game and how good the game really is is um, something that changes wherever I go. So in New Zealand, it's a pretty big sport for women. Um, and in Australia, it's still a big sport for women, but it's still underlying some of the male-dominated sports. But it is moving up. And... Um, the same thing with the UK. I mean, it's, it's definitely moving and it's becoming a sport that is a little bit more common in um, starting at a school level. So, yeah, I think popularity is probably the biggest difference I see when I, um, when I get around a little bit. <laughs> uh, that's something we talk about quite a bit here on Netball Nation as well, isn't it, girls? About the fact that it's kind of the chicken or the egg. How do we make it more popular? How do we get the, the finances, the financial backing behind it to make it happen, isn't it? Yeah, it is. And I think, you know, a lot's been made of, of what happens with the league this year. And I think for me, like one of the major differences between our league and, and Australia and New Zealand is, is just the kind of TV revenue. So, you know, things are looking really good in New Zealand. Things are looking pretty good in Australia in terms of easing lockdown. And I think their leagues will get finished. Um, but also I think they're more keen to, to finish their leagues, even if that's behind closed doors because of the TV revenue where that's not something we've got at the minute. And so yeah. our situation looks a little bit worse from all scenarios because even if we, get to a point where you can have 14 players on court we probably can't have people in the st in the stadium which is where teams get revenue from 
Well, we'll um, we'll obviously be talking about that in the coming sort of weeks and and months. Um, Kat, for you, what are the highlights of your career so far? Um, I think the highlights for me have been the few occasions actually that I've um, gone against what I thought I was going to do, and I just pushed back. I rebelled, I guess, for lack of a better word. Um, there have been a few things that happened, mostly towards the end of my career, where it was like, yeah, no, nah, we're not going to pick you, see ya. And so I sit on that for a little while, and I'm like, yeah, I think I'm done. Nope. I'm coming back because you said that you didn't want me. So there's been a lot of things that that I've just been driven by uh, a little bit of animosity. I mean, I get really mad when people say no to me, but I think it's more <laughs> about proving things, not only to other people, but more so for myself. So I came back from an injury. I came back from many non-selections. Um, I've done a few cool things um, aside from actually playing the actual game. It's those things that stand out more for me because they they weigh heavy on my heart, but I'm actually content now because I've fought back. Can't you usually deal with things at, at the time um, because that's the kind of person you are. Don't let it fester, deal with it, step up, man up. And, but but do, are you one of those kind of people who can deal with it and then it's done, you move on, and next time you see that person, cup of tea, maybe a, you know a little drink, or are you one of these people who thinks, now nah, you cross me, we're done? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I'm the latter. Kat has said RIP to a few people in her time. <laughs> Sarah Bateman has travelled very lightly. She's she stayed on my good side. That's why I answered the phone. <laughs> anyway, no, I'm definitely one of those people who needs to, um, I think, address it because I do wear my heart on my sleeve, and if and if it is weighing heavy on my soul, I will not let it go. And that's why things do dribble out of my mouth because if I don't say it, then I'm the only one that gets chewed up about it. And, you know, over time I've obviously had to work on my tact and maybe refraining on a couple of swear words <laughs> because I probably shouldn't. But no, I think I'm just unapologetically me because I know that I would like that in return. If somebody had a problem with me, I'd respect them a hell of a lot more if they walked up to me and told me they didn't like me. Yeah. As opposed to pretending they did and taking it around the corner. So I, yeah, I kind of act the way that I expect to be treated. When when we were at Pulse, it was just after why I had not picked you for <laughs> World Cup and why was obviously, yep. why Tamanu was obviously um, like head of performance at, at Pulse and, you kind of go into that scenario thinking, God, this could be a, an absolute car crash and why have either of them done this to, to each other? Like, you come into pools, why yeah. kind of getting you to pools? But we, before you came on, we were kind of talking about what makes you so great and, and I was saying it, it's just the fact that, you you know, you're happy to just say stuff and, you know, you're, you're happy to go in and, and kind of fight for, for what you believe in. But I think you also respect people who do the same. So you and why probably two of the scariest people, you know, <laughs> ever. But just on able to be like on a level with each other. Like, do, do you fi find it easier when people are just straight like that? Absolutely. I mean, it's, it's, it's an, I do this with all my relationships. I do it with my mum and dad and my sisters and my brothers and my husband. I, I don't see any point in not being able to tell people what's on your heart even if you know it's going to make the both of you uncomfortable. Now, in my netball career, when Y did drop me, oh, I just, oh, 
did I want to hit her? I'm not going to say that. (laughs) (laughs) I could not understand it for the life of me. And I think what hurt me the most was that she admitted she didn't know what to do. And so she needed to drop me. And so I walked away from that conversation thinking, oh, great, like I've been let go, but you don't even know why. How can I fix this if I don't know what it is and you don't? So I was very upset about it. So when when I addressed it with her, I respected what she said to me so much more because she was honest about what she felt at the time and she didn't know she needed to make decisions and unfortunately it was my neck on the block. So in the heat of the moment, it didn't feel very nice, but as I matured in a couple of weeks from that conversation, <laughs> I realised that she told me her honest truth and, and I can't get upset with that. So we kept it very professional, but, you know, it's a business at the end of the day. She was trying to win and she didn't think I could do that for her and she told me that straight up. That's what I respected about it. You speak very matter-of-factly and, and it is admirable and, you know, you, you're, you've self-declared netball's biggest mouth that's in your instagram bio cat and <laughs> it is it's amazing uh, because we get things done a lot sooner we'd get things sorted if people had a more direct approach like you but have you always been like that or have you changed um, and become more like that as your career has progressed um, i've always been quite opinionated my mum reminds me daily but it's more that my tact has changed I I spent a little bit more time as I got older as a player trying to get to know my teammates and my coaching staff and, and the support staff enough to know how I can speak with them um, just because I like people to come straight to me and say, hey, you're not good enough, fix this. Um, doesn't mean that everybody likes to be spoken to like that. So I needed to really mature a little bit in um, a netball sense to make sure that I could communicate with people the way that they like to be communicated. So I had to work a little bit harder on getting to know these people so that they knew that when I was speaking to them, I had gotten to know them. So I knew how they liked their information. I thought that was the most respectful thing to do because not everyone is like me, unfortunately. (laughs) Oh my God. (laughs) That form of communication, Kat, has stretched out as well to internet trolls. Um, because you've also called them out, haven't you? Do you feel kind of like, um, because you're unafraid to do that, that you are almost a spokesperson for netballers? No, and I, I like, I just, I just don't think it's good enough. I feel like if you can say something, then why can't I say it back? It's just, it's. I just don't think that the internet is a real true reflection of who we are as people, and there are memes on there and honestly most of the time I sit there giggling and thinking of something I can say back that isn't going to be mean but it's going to actually make me laugh and so I just and I'm but I'm very cautious I am very cautious because I know there are like some young people following me and some people who see me in a very different light so the first thing that comes to my head does not make it so you're telling me what what we see has been filtered (laughs) no i that's just my gift to everyone else. You get my second thought because I don't want you to really hear what I'm thinking. <laughs> uh, well, we, we want to hear what you're really thinking, Kat. Um, <laughs> it's, it's a weird time for sport and netball, obviously, now. How do you think netball's going to get back on its feet after lockdown? It's, um, I find the sport industry a little interesting at the moment. My husband is obviously still playing rugby. Well, he should be, but... You know, with it being not necessarily essential and more like a 
entertainment. It's really interesting to watch the rugby, rugby try and pull itself back over here in Italy. So I find that netball is going to have the same kind of struggles. I think, like Sarah touched on earlier, there's a lot of money surrounding the issues that are going to come forward in the next couple of months trying to get netball back on TV and bums on seats. And I just think the netball community together needs to really figure out what's important and how how hard these teething problems are going to be to try and get it off the ground again and, and just understand that it actually is worth it for our girls and our boys who do like to play netball. It's going to be rough. It's going to hit everyone in the pockets. But at the end of the day, we're all in a great position because netball, even 10 years ago, was struggling even worse than what we are now with a pandemic. So just weathering the storm, I think, is going to be the hardest thing to ask for for franchises. I don't know the business side of every franchise. I I can't even imagine playing is hard enough for me, thanks. (laughs) But just weather the storm because... This is a great game and we need to get it back. We need to get it back. We certainly do. And as as soon as possible, um, when when is reasonable to do so. So all being well, it does come out of this. And all sport comes out of this as well, as well as possible. For you, um, Pat, what what's next? What's on the horizon for you? Um, I would like to move okay. Of course I'd like to play netball again. I'm crazy competitive. Sarah knows what I'm like. I can't do anything without <laughs> yeah. Um but I'm Look, I know my time is up. I know that I've started training with my husband during this pandemic and, my God, it hurts. <laughs> it hurts. It hurts too much. It's very different. My goodness. Um, but I think I just want to concentrate on being a mum and a wife at the moment. My husband's actually been in Italy for five years and this is our first time living together. So I'm learning to be a mum and a wife, which is really interesting because wow. we're stuck in each other's faces. How's that, how's that going, Kat? Yeah, no, he's still alive. Is that what you're asking? <laughs> <laughs> well, basically. It's going well. I mean, we're still married. Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's good. Oh, That's brilliant. Good. He's my person. He understands me. But, yeah, we're just doing this together. And I was never going to walk away from the game of netball. Everything, like I mentioned earlier, I was fighting. I was coming back. So I got pregnant and thought maybe that was it. That was that was the push I needed. So, yeah, I just want to concentrate on being with my family at the moment and then we'll see what happens after that. Thank you very much for joining us on Netball Nation, Cat to Abiti. Uh, we shall wait with bated breath for your next Instagram post that's bound to make everyone laugh. <laughs> so thank you for keeping us all entertained. That's all right. Thanks for talking to me, guys. Take care. Thanks, Cat. See you later. Thank you. Take care. Right. Bye-bye. Miss you, Bayman. Miss you too. Bye, everybody. Oh, that's oh. cute. Now then, video games have been around for yonks with all sorts of different ones released over the years. But what if there was a netball video game created? What would it actually look like? We are talking to you, EA Sports. Um, now, people must be going crazy. Play- they must be. people. So many people must be playing computer games because it's something that if you sit there in front of your TV, computer, whatever, it hours and hours can pass. I know it certainly did when I used to play on Mario Kart. So... First off, let's talk retro games. Girls, do you remember what you played when you were younger? Um, well, Stacey always says I'm a weirdo because I didn't really play video games, so I'm <gasps> so bad at them. Like, Sarah. so incredibly bad because I did not develop that skill as a youngster. So, we, <laughs> like, we, we did, we had like a Sega or something for a little bit, but all I can ever remember playing is Sonic. Oh. That's the only <gasps> game I ever I remember playing, really. <laughs> Sonic was good. Did you get good at it? Well, not not that good. 
because I don't know. I, I don't know if I didn't get good because I didn't play it or I didn't play it because I didn't play it. <laughs> but either well, way, what, I wasn't the best. What does Stacey have you playing now, now that she can tell that you're rubbish? Well, well she'll play me anything because she knows she's going to win. So. <laughs> <laughs> love it, love it. Yeah, oh, sorry, the other one. The other one was Mario and, and his <gasps> mate, Luigi. Oh, oh yeah, Super oh. Mario Kart. Super Mario, when you just used to jump and get the flag and stuff like that. Find me a better game, I'm telling you. <laughs> I mean, I'm like you, Sarah. I was absolutely terrible. I was brought up with two brothers. They just used to absolutely batter me on that game. But I loved it. Do you know what I love to remember the cloud? that used to come and pick you up and rescue you whenever you fell off the yeah. sides. Oh, I loved it so much. What about you, Mags? What did you play? Oh, gosh. Does anybody even remember that far back? Uh, Space <laughs> Invaders. Do you remember Space Invaders? That I feel was like I do. Yeah. Don't the arcade. To, that's it, Sarah. It was like an arcade game that you used to play. Did it look like Teletext Text? Like yeah, that yeah, kind yeah. of game? That's it. That's it. Oh, that's wow, it. Max. Trailblazer. Oh, oh so you know, God. <laughs> the graphics so, to die uh, for. No. <laughs> if there was a netball video game, would you play it? Well, when I was last in Perth, me and Stacey tried to play her housemate's NBA game on, again, whatever console he owns, because I've got no it's idea. It's so hard, isn't it? It was so hard and it was so bad. We had to go to like three on three practice mode. And I was like running off the court. I couldn't like I couldn't control what they were doing. So I mean, I'd, I'd give it a go, but I'd probably struggle. <laughs> do you reckon? Obviously, you two then maybe wouldn't be up for it. But do you reckon if there was a netball video game that it it engage more people in the sport, it'd be a way to get people going. Ah, oh, I'd like to see this or play this. Do you know what? Emma? It's, a, it's a really difficult question because it's a case of it would be aimed at a different demographic because I can tell you now it's not the sort of thing I would be playing. <laughs> and maybe you may well, may well get the younger end that, that think, oh, I'm going to have a bit of this and I'm going to play this game and what have you. Um, historically, you know, there's the FIFA and there is the NBA game that Sarah was talking about. They're huge. They are massive. But I think the secondary to actual physically watching the game and being part of the game as a spectator so yeah, they might sell a few as to whether it would turn more people to netball. Mm, I don't know. I reckon if they made a, a really good game, you've got the potential to kind of get a new a new audience of people because, you know, people who play a lot of video games and people who play netball, there's probably not a, a, a massive amount of crossover in those two groups. But I think if you made a really good video game, um, you'd potentially get, get some new audience yeah, um, but I, I know it'd be a lot of investment for for a company to to decide to do that. And why don't we just why don't we just use that money instead of a video game just to to go out there and the world we've talked about so many times? Invest more marketing the rest of it for the game and get more bums on seats and money in for franchise. Well, that's the ultimate aim, isn't it? But I think one one thing that. I know it has helped, well, not necessarily helped because football has, obviously, as we all know, so much investment in it anyway. But the Netflix and Amazon documentaries around football clubs, uh, obviously Leeds United had one in that season that we all didn't want to rewatch again. Uh, there's been like Sunderland Till I Die. We've seen The Last Dance recently. Annie Murray's resurfacing as well on Amazon and Netflix. If, if there was one made about netball, right, girls, and it was going to get people hooked, what story would you use or what angle would you come from with it? Oh, I'm, I was obsessed with Sunderland Till I Die. Um, I'm not a Sunderland fan. Um, and, you know, I'm not, I, I am a football fan, but not like I'll watch anything football. Um, but I think you don't even almost need an angle. You just need to know what happens day in, day out, because what people see 
is such a tiny proportion of what happens. So, you know, you see a team on a Saturday run out, play a game, win, lose, whatever. You don't see Sunday to Friday. And I think the most interesting stuff in terms of, you know, what's happening in people's personal lives, who comes into training grumpy as hell, who's getting told off for being late or in the wrong kit, you know, what's happening when clubs can't afford things, you know, when players are having to make do with with different aspects of things. I think that's much more interesting, actually, than sometimes the results that people see. So I, I, I do think that would be great for netball because I think people just assume that like this magic happens. Um, everyone's really happy and training and doing all these drills that we see on the internet. Um, and then we all turn up and we all have a great time and someone wins and someone <laughs> loses and it, then it's repeated. And it's just so much more than that. So I think, um, I think that would be an interesting series. Yeah, it's it's human interest, isn't it? Human interest yeah. stories are, are, are really interesting because people are nosy and they like mm. to uh, see what's going on in the background and they're inquisitive. You know, maybe you could do the Super League, you know, from day one to the grand final, see what happens, you know, behind the behind the scenes there. Or Rose's countdown to comp games, the good, the bad and the ugly stuff. Or put a, a carry-on style on it. Put a carry-on style on it. But like the pressure that, that teams and coaches and everyone else come under, you know, whether you're winning and you're expected to win or you're losing and you kind of need to break that streak. And everyone feels it. It's not just the players and the coaches. My favourite character in Sunderland Till I Die was the chef. Yes. <laughs> and yes. how upset she got when they weren't doing well. I was like, oh my God, I just give her a hug. So that just, like Mike said, that human interest in the fact that, you know, it involves so many more people than what, what spectators see on a on a Saturday. Um, I think it You know, Sarah, it, for it to work, for it to for it to really really work the the people involved in the program have to be their authentic self so you know you can follow uh love for lightning and follow you because you are your authentic self you know the fact the camera's on you you don't change from being who you are you don't you, you know change your phrases whereas we know that sometimes people are not saying what they really want to say and you have only to be after that. the watershed though like a 930 <laughs> <laughs> but that's what gets people and that's what grips people when they have the authentic people being honest and open rather than saying stuff that they, they're expected yeah, to say. Yeah, and I, th I think that's why they've been so successful, like the the, the um, Man City one and the all or nothing, the American football ones. I think when when people just kind of get used to having cameras around, they're, they're just being themselves and, that, and yeah. that's why those... Things are so successful because you see these megastars just acting like normal people. Yeah, you're absolutely right. You want you want it to be completely open, genuine, and you want to follow that journey with them and be fully bought into it. And I do think if they did something like that in netball, I reckon it would draw a, a big audience because of that, because of the human element. But on that, imagine you pair, right? Hollywood come knocking, yeah, and they go and they go, Max, Sarah, we are making a story of your life, right? Who's playing you, Max? Hello, obviously, Halle Berry while I was younger. <laughs> <laughs> yes, Max! Uh, uh, yes. Uh, start with the laughing. Start with the laughing. I didn't Clearly. know you were like Beyonce. Sarah, let me tell you, it was a flip of the coin. Um, yeah. But yeah. <laughs> However, today, if I'm being realistic, it's probably going to be Diane Abbott as I've got older. <laughs> Oh, come on, you could at least go over. <laughs> <laughs> oh, if you were to 
ask my brothers if you were to ask my brothers. They say, have you seen that film Norbit with uh, Eddie Murphy? He's got a sister called Rasputia in it. If you haven't seen it, check it out and you'll know what I'm talking about. We're going to have to have a Google of that, man. I thought you were just going to say Eddie Murphy. Do you know when he's like, big man? <laughs> yeah. Sorry, don't go there. That's one of my best films. Don't go there. They're my best films. Right, well, that, that's good, Max, because we've got a few covered. We know who to approach, Halle Berry and Diane Abbott and Eddie Murphy. <laughs> Sarah, what about you? Um, I mean, obviously, I'd love for it to be someone like Jennifer Lawrence, but I feel like I'm, I'm really, <laughs> really punching there. So um, maybe someone like Ma- Maxine Peake, you know, like good northerner. She, oh, she's awesome. Bit, bit of grit about her, get amongst yeah, yeah. it. Why don't I know yeah. who Maxine Peake is? Let me find her. What's she, she did in? Shameless, didn't she, to start off? <gasps> oh, I love her. She's great. Yeah, I can see that. I can see I said, that. Obviously, the reaction that everyone says when <laughs> man mentioned to. <laughs> yeah. Oh, she was in Dinner Ladies. Yes. Yes. Oh, she was in Dinner Ladies. Yes. Oh, yeah. Sorry, I can definitely see that. There we go. So we've got Diane Abbott. And Maxine Peake <laughs> in the house. Keeping it, keeping it real. <laughs> now then, before we move on to the final segment to close out this week's podcast, let's talk about a funny and very accurate TikTok video by Will Kirk that was doing the rounds of him acting out the types of netballers. They are the one who always looks worried with the ball, the aggressive one, the one who's always there if you need, the one who argues with the umpire, the overdramatic one, the clumsy one, the one who says sorry every second, the really enthusiastic one, the no emotion one, the one with way too much energy. Now then, girls, which one are you pair? Um, I mean, it's it's too easy for me. It's just the one that's <laughs> the umpire. See <laughs> you know what I mean about her being authentic and telling the truth? Just yeah. absolute hell all the time. <laughs> like, those poor umpires. Um, so, yeah, p- probably that one. Max, I'm going to ask you as well, which do you think Sarah would be? Oh, she's, she's nailed it. She's <laughs> on <laughs> Ask any umpire out there. You know, that death stare, that death stare. She doesn't even need to speak. That everyone, everyone needs feedback, you know, sometimes. <laughs> sometimes it's positive. Some, sometimes it's not. But, you know, what kind always of, there to what, provide it. What kind of ratio are we working with here, Sarah? <laughs> which, is, which is... About a 90-10. <laughs> Negative to positive. <laughs> <laughs> Do you know what? We at Netball Nation should put a Twitter poll out there to all umpires. Have you ever been shouted at by Sarah Bateman? <laughs> oh, 100% would say yeah. yes. I, I, I usually apologised at the end, though. So, um, oh, well, that's fine. As if, as if that makes it okay. <laughs> That's, that's not an example to be set in. <laughs> uh, well, that is exactly right. Do you think you get sent off this day in this day and age? Well, I mean, I got sent off a few times when I was playing, so yeah, I think I'd, I'd definitely get sent off. Now. <laughs> um, that's why we love her. But also, like, I'm, I'm not saying you know you, you shouldn't argue with the umpires as well, but I think sometimes um, it's it's taken a bit too far where you take people's character out of the game. And you talk about someone like Kat who would have like funny little conversations. And Sonia McClomer was really good at it. She'd, she'd give the umpire feedback, but in a way that they didn't even know. She was just sort of like chatting away to them. And I think if you take too much out of that and you go, no, you can't talk to them, 
Um, it gets a bit boring. Like you want to see people's personality and you want people to be passionate. But yeah, don't give them hell because you will get sent off. I can <laughs> so Mags, which one are you? Oh God, probably people would say that I were probably the aggressive one. Oh yes, my <laughs> typical defender. Uh, Sarah, would you agree with that about Mags? Oh yeah, on court, you know. Everyone's got a, a different persona on court to off court, but defenders, you kind of have to have a bit of aggression because otherwise you're going to get nowhere. Exactly. Um, which one of that list is the best and worst to come up against on court? Well, I feel like you can group the the ones with too much energy and the over-enthusiastic ones together and they were the most annoying people. <laughs> Why? Um, well, yeah, because as you get well, as you get older, you have to chase round after those who are very yeah, overly infused, like, and you're thinking, those well, players, you just like, stand before, still. <laughs> but do you know what I mean? Like before a game started, they've they've made about ten different moves, and you're like, hang on, it's like um, <laughs> the umpire's still sat down, mate. Calm down. So <laughs> I just feel like have, have a day off, just chill out. So do you know what, Sarah? Um, the ones that do mean. The overdramatic ones. Oh. oh my <laughs> lord, don't even get me going on do you that. Wa- do you want to drop any names here, girls? Oh, where do you start? <laughs> we ain't got time. We've only got an hour's podcast. <laughs> <laughs> do you know, and you're like, what the heck? Why have you done that double backflip? A flick of your hair? <laughs> a, you know, a split before you've even caught the ball. And then when you catch it, it's all the... <laughs> well, I think we can conclude Mags is not a fan of the overdramatic netballers. Sarah, back me up here. What are you saying? No, I'm not, yeah. I mean, I, I used to stand on the circle edge just like giving people BAFTAs and things for some of them. Yeah. <laughs> That's right. Artistic yeah. um, impressions. Girls, dare I ask before we move on, obviously I'm not a netball player. Uh, I was told in year six to give that dream up. Um, what would what, Knowing what you know of me, what kind of player would I be? Oh, oh. I reckon, I reckon <laughs> the clumsy one. <laughs> <laughs> sorry. <laughs> You've got it in one. I definitely I'm saying would. sorry. Should be saying sorry all the time. Oh, oops, sorry, sorry. Yeah. Oh, sorry, sorry, sorry. Oh, didn't mean to do so it. So basically, sorry. I'm a combination of two of the worst that you can be. Get <laughs> <laughs> a ball to the face in the first five seconds. Yeah. <laughs> Right then, Netball Nationers, we want to know which one you are, so get in touch and let us know at my Netball Nation. Now, the last week, London Pulse released the news that CEO Natalie Seaton would be stepping down from the role, with Sam Bird taking over on an interim basis. Now, Natalie sold her majority share to another shareholder. She'd been with the club since its introduction to the Super League for the 2019 season. So, given that Natalie helped found the franchise, were you surprised to hear the news, Sarah? Yeah, I was really shocked, to be honest. I don't think anyone had any inkling that this was going to happen. Um, as far as I could tell, Natalie kind of loved Pulse and um, loved kind of heading it up. So it seems bizarre, to say the least. Um, and yeah, just completely out of the blue. What What do you think it is? What What is the cause of it, do you think, Max? Do you know what? It's that million dollar question because nobody knows because nobody even got an inkling that this was happening. So when you read the official statement that's been uh, posted about it, one that Natalie's put out as well, she mentions, you know, in her own statement that changes in inverted commas to her role have probably seen it time for her to move on. What those changes are is the big question um, because I just can't understand why somebody who has given blood, sweat and tears seven years worth of work to get to the point she did, 
to have this franchise that's only been running like two seasons, why would you walk away from it? Yeah, it does seem unusual, doesn't it? It seems as though there's um, definitely something more to the story. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and what are your thoughts of putting Sam Bird in the role? Well, I mean, she's 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 new to the franchise this time, isn't she, Sam? You know, she, she knows her stuff. Um, she is a qualified lawyer, is Sam. Uh, so, you know, she's used to working, you know, at that strategic level and... I know it's only interim. The question I'm asking is, can she do both roles? It seems a little bit of a, a big ask to make her interim CEO as well as head coach. Um, is there something else going on there that we don't know? I don't know. I know Sam loves coaching, but I know she would be equally comfortable doing the CEO's role full-time as well. Well, um, if we do find out anything, we'll be sure to keep you all in the loop, Netball Nationers. What, what do you think is next for Pulse then? Um, well, I mean, it's hard to know. They're in the same situation as all teams at the minute in terms of waiting to see what happens with the league. Um, and I think a bit like Mag said, it's um, it might be manageable for Sam to do both roles at the minute. As soon as you get back training and playing, it's it wouldn't be possible to do both those roles. So I, I find it a bit of an odd one that you know you put your head coach into the CEO role. Um, but yeah, I mean, as far as we know, it's kind of business as usual for Pulse in terms of continuing to plan for whatever season we may or may not have. Well, yeah, and, and on that, Sarah, it was announced on Monday, obviously, that the Super League season is not going to start until at least the 31st of May. Do you think even that's a bit optimistic? Well, the thir 31st of May is when activity could potentially start in terms of nothing will start before then. So even then, if if on the 31st of May they went, yeah, you can start, you're going to have a, probably a four-week-plus period before any competition starts for, for players to get back trained and things. Um, I think I don't think on the 31st of May it, they're going to turn around and go, yeah, let's all get back to it, if I'm being honest. Just looking at how the UK is at the minute in terms of, of this virus and as always, the safety of, of everyone has to kind of be paramount. So I I can't see it happening at that point, but it's such a kind of fluid situation and, and difficult to even predict um, where we're going to be in a month's time that I guess the, the board felt it was the right decision to to put it back to the end of May and, and see if anything's clearer at that point. Do you agree with that, Max? Can you see it maybe getting pushed again? If you watch the news every day, and you, I think people are trying to get a measure on, on the situation by how many deaths are re recorded or reported in hospitals, and everybody's just begging for that number to, to be reduced every single day that it comes on the screen, because that then kind of thing gives you the feeling that we've got a handle on this, we're under control, we're slowly going to return back to normality. But... There's also the worry that once they do lift the uh, the lockdown, that there was going to be this second wave of um, you know illnesses. So yeah, rumblings about horse racing, rumblings about football, maybe starting again in June. It's probably the catalyst for everybody else within the sporting world thinking, well, if there's some sort of movement with them, then maybe there will be movement with our sport as well. But like Sarah said, it's fluid, and we just got to just go with what's going on. Exactly, it's still relatively unknown. Um, Sarah, how are your Lightning players getting on fitness-wise? Are they still managing to keep that momentum and keep themselves up and at it at home? Yeah, I mean, we're in the middle of week six um, of, of kind of at-home training. And so 
you know, some of them would happily kind of continue with the pattern of what we're doing forevermore and and be happy with it. Some of them are a little bit bored now. So I think next week we'll look at doing, we'll look at trying something new and kind of changing up what we're doing slightly just to try and keep it fresh. Um, but I think everyone also understands the situation we're in. Like things aren't going to be the most interesting because you've got limited space, you've got limited resources um, and you've got limited people. So <laughs> um, it makes it difficult to make to make everything interesting. But I think what, what's been really good is the level of connection from the girls with each other, you know, with the programme and just trying to, trying to keep positive. Um, you know, athletes are used to kind of being bored to some extent. You know, you, if you get up and you train, regardless of what scenario you're in, it gets boring at times. So the, the, they're fairly good in terms of an immunity to, to tedium, but um, we are trying to keep it as, as different and as fresh as we can because yeah, that you need to be able to distinguish, distinguish what day it is, as I've just shown. Yeah. <laughs> are you um are you worried about player fitness at all? No, not really. Um, because I think whenever netball kind of gets cleared to go back, that there will be a period of time where teams will be given with players to to kind of get them back to to match fitness or as close as we can. Um, and I know none of our girls are doing nothing. So it's not really about like everyone stay at your your peak fitness because that's never going to happen. But everyone stay within like a range of of normal fitness for you guys, because then we'll just top it up when we get back. And I, and I think it's unrealistic to think that people aren't going to, you know, lose fitness and um, not in this in this period of time. But I just don't think they'll lose a huge amount that that can't just be sort of topped up in three, four weeks when, when, we're, when we're good to go again. And what does the situation mean for players contracted until June? Well, no one really knows, you know. Mo most player contracts go till either early or late July. Um, if nothing's played before that, it's then a consideration for the league when, when they're discussing options of what happens with the league, um, you know, do you extend those contracts? Do you recontract for a new year and play something later in the year? Like no one really knows what that looks like at the minute. For us, contract um, contracts end in July, and then after that, we would expect to contract for next year the players that we want next year, which is a difficult job in itself because you've not even seen people play this year, really. Um, but it's it's all kind of part of this big mess of trying to decide what happens with the league in terms of, yes, um, restrictions on people being together and training is one thing, but then the time restriction for us in terms of contracts ending and then what you do about that, it then runs into an international window. What's happening with that? There's lots of things that kind of need to be decided and, and sorted out before we can say this is going to be played. Tell you what, Sarah, I don't envy you. Thank you. Yeah, me neither. I'm, I'm not so uh, <laughs> Well, do you know what? Um, let's end this on a high, shall we, girls? Tell us one positive thing that you've learned from this whole self-isolation period so far. Over to you, Mags. For me personally, it's made me sit and reflect on my life in general without getting too deep and meaningful. 
The fact that most of us live our lives at like 2,000 miles an hour, I very rarely got to see the inside of my home, um, you know, Monday through to Sunday. Um, and the fact that I've been able to spend time at home, taking my time to just to sit down and have a drink without having to rush it or put it into a travel cup to take with me. The fact that, you know, I can actually sit down and have dinner with my child or I can, you know, just watch something on television real time, not recorded five weeks previously. And just to sit and read or go for a walk. It really has put my life into perspective that, yeah, I miss my netball and it will never not be in my life. But I maybe need to just, you know, I've take a little closer look at my own and uh, make it a little bit more me friendly. Absolutely. And I think there's a, a tendency to feel guilt if we feel as though we're not doing anything in day to day life, isn't there? And this that's been stripped away. What about you, Sarah? I think similar, just a, a huge amount of gratitude for, for how lucky I am. You know, I've I've still got a job. I've, I've can keep a house, a roof over my head. Um, I've got an incredible family that I'm getting to spend time with that I don't normally um you know, I'm really lucky that I've got Stacey and, and we can kind of support each other. So I think just being aware of what it is that actually makes me happy. Um, and it's a lot of the things that you take for granted or, you know, you don't you don't think about. It's like you want a new car or you want a new pair of trainers or, you know, like Mag said, you're, you're rushing around and you're, you're trying to be everything to everyone where actually if you strip it back, it's just a reminder that the that the things that make you happy actually don't require all, all of the bells and whistles. It's just a simple life. Yeah, thank you for that, Sarah. That's a, a good good lesson to have learned. And and girls, as always, do we have any shout-outs? Oh, uh, if I may just start jumping there. Go on. Can I do a big shout-out to Emily Perry, or as is now Handyside. She is our Lead Rhinos Pathway Manager who has just gone on maternity leave because she's expecting a little baby girl uh, in the next couple of weeks. So the best of luck, Emily. Um, take all the drugs, the prescription ones, that is. <laughs> <laughs> Don't be a hero because it hurts. Okay, so, <laughs> so that's that. And my last shout is to 48 of the uh, Rhinos Pathway athletes who are either running or or cycling um, approximately 45.3 kilometers each wow which yeah and the point of this is to raise money for the national health charities and key workers and what they've done is they've got that figure it's 2170 kilometers from Leeds to all the Super League franchise playing venues and what they've done is got all those numbers together, divided it by the 48, and they're raising money. And they've got a Just Giving page if anybody would like to contribute. That is, do you know what? That deserves awesome. a round of applause. A round of applause for that. Yeah, and best of luck. That is no mean feat. Um, Sarah, have you got any shout outs? Well, having, having Kat on the show today, for all, for all the people who are kind of abroad and, and not with their family, um, or not, not necessarily where that they'd call home, um, just for all those people, we had um, Jo Harton on one of our team calls this week and it was really cool to see her um, in Australia. So for all the people that are away from, from family and um, away from home at the minute, shout out to them for um, keeping Zoom in business, basically. <laughs> <laughs> Which I chairs. Yeah. 
<laughs> uh, yeah, and shout out, of course, as always, to everyone on the front line and to you, our netball nationers. Thank you so, so much for listening today. Uh, we, as always, have been powered by Netball UK, meaning that you can hashtag keep netballing from home. Also, don't forget, head over to netballuk.co.uk to get some top tips and advice from the Super League fans, player of the season, and Netball UK ambassador, Joyce Mabula, with training routines that you can try at home. To listen to our podcasts, head over to mynetballnation.com and you can follow us on all the social platforms at mynetballnation. Until next time, hashtag keep netballing. Thanks, girls. See you later. Take care, everybody. Thanks. Bye. Stay safe. This is Netball Nation, powered by Netball UK. Shop now at netballuk.co.uk.